And so now as we get through verses 7 through 19, it is a whole different section. And basically these, we're going to be listing the 12 governors who supplied food to Solomon and the royal family. And Solomon's family was quite large. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Solomon had 12 governors over all Israel who provided food for the king and his household. Each one made provision for one month of the year. These men were also responsible for the taxation in their individual districts. The districts were separated according to mountains, land, and region, and not by tribal lines. Solomon's leadership was creative. We can imagine that in the past, 12 governors would be appointed strictly along tribal lines. But Solomon knew that the way you did it before wasn't necessarily the best way to do it at the present time. He was willing to try new things. Now let's join Pastor Rob. To groupings, you know, for each each month of the year, and everybody would have their rightful place in doing certain things, and it was a very well-oiled machine. And I love that because God is a God of order. Whatever God does, He doesn't do happenstance. He doesn't do half-baked. He doesn't do. He doesn't bring order. He doesn't. He, when when He's doing it, it's not chaotic. It's it's very organized, and God knows what He's doing, and so He's able to. Give to David all of these things so that he could prepare his son. And can I tell you that the reign of Solomon was probably the most significant portion of time. That 40 years of Solomon's reign was the golden years of Israel. It has never been that good ever, in my opinion. And I think probably in many others' opinions too. Because they had peace on every side. That's never occurred. In fact... It's, it's not going to happen again until the millennial reign of Christ when he's on the earth. They aren't going to have peace. Right now, they don't have peace on every side. They've got walls, and they've got electric fences, and they've got guards with M16s. I've been there at the, right at the Lion's Gate. As you, before you even walk into the temple area, they've got guards, women, <laughs> with M16s. And they're ready to use them, and they know how to use them. But there's organization because God is a God of order. And what he does, he does well. So Solomon's reign and kingdom was highly organized. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40, it says this, and I love this. Let all things be done decently and in order. 
Now, as Paul is speaking to the Corinthians, he's speaking about other things, but the truth of the, it's a truth. Let all things be done decently and in order. And that's why we try to do that as much here as we can, so that there's no chaos. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, um, again, in the 33, 33rd verse, it says, For God is not the author of confusion, but, um, but of peace. He's not the author of confusion. You can always find when God is not in control or when he is not leading, there is nothing but chaos and infighting. But when God is in control and when he's doing his will, there's going to be peace. There's going to be order. So notice in that, back in that first verse, it says, So King Solomon was king over all of Israel. And this would be the first, or actually he would be the, uh, the third king. And he would be the last king that would reign over Israel as a whole. Actually, arguably the second king, or, you know, but maybe the third king. Because we know that Saul, then certainly David, and then uh, Solomon reigned over the entire thing. But we know that after Solomon, and in the latter part of his life, his a thousand wives that he had, began to turn his heart away uh, into idolatry and... It was after that that the kingdom split in two. The northern ten tribes were governed by um, um, Jeroboam, and the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, were governed by Rehoboam, Solomon's son. And it would be that way for a very long time. In fact, only right now is Israel really one, but they're divided because of the... uh, the, um, the Palestinians and all of that, they don't have nearly as much land as they had. In fact, at this time in history, at Solomon's reign, they will, their territory would be the most that Israel had ever had. And it would be the most territory that Israel would ever have until, again, in the Millennial Kingdom, when there will be a lot more land that will be governed by Christ, certainly on the throne. But he, he gave them from the Euphrates all the way down to the river of Egypt. That's quite a big swath of land. And they've never, ever occupied all of that land. It's only at this time during Solomon's reign that they got even close. But still they weren't close. But it was close. Very close. Notice verse 2. And, and these were his officials, Azariah, the son of Zadok. Now, when, when you look at this word son, uh, it's interesting because in the Hebrew it could mean a son or a grandson. So when you read certain genealogies and you hear about a man having the, and this person was the son of this person, bear in mind, and this happens in Daniel too, sometimes it may not mean the next son, it may actually mean, you know, going back even further, it could mean a grandson, maybe not the son itself. So son can mean his son or his grandson, and, um, and this Azariah evidently was indeed the grandson of Zadok, the priest, the one that David had uh, had in, with him when he was running through the uh, Israel, running away from Saul, trying to seek uh, refuge. This is that Zadok that ruled with David. So now he's an older, much, much older man, but now his grandson, Azariah, is now the priest. 
And in fact, you can look at First Chronicles. You might want to just put this note off to this, this second verse here because it'll, it'll corroborate what I'm saying. It's First Chronicles chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. First Chronicles chapter 6, verse 8. Let me read it to you because it'll make sense to you. It says, Ahitub begat Zadok, and Zadok begat Ahimaaz, and Ahimaaz begat Azariah. Okay, so now you know that there is someone in between Zadok and Azariah. It was Ahimaaz. But he evidently died. And so now, when it says Azariah, the son of Zadok, it's really his grandson. So just be aware of that word son as you look into the Bible. Because it could mean the, a physical son, it could mean a grandson, or even a great-grandson. Okay, So Zadok was one of the priests during uh, David's reign. So... Uh, verse 3, it says, um, Eli Horef and Ahijah, the sons of Shisha, they were scribes, and Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, the recorder. So Jehoshaphat was also another man who served under David from the beginning of David's reign. And so this is kind of interesting. And, and so the chronicler, or the recorder, excuse me, he chronicled everyday events. He was one of those people, sort of like the right-hand man of the President of the United States, who chronicles everything that happens in the President's life that day. And that goes into the records, right? That, this is what a recorder does. And this man had been with Solomon's father, David, and now he's with Solomon. A very, obviously a very faithful man. And... Um, in fact, in 2 Samuel chapter 8, verses 15 and 16, it actually shows that, that Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was recorder for David during his reign. It's right there in, in black and white. 2 Samuel chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. So going on now, and back in our text, so it says, Benaiah, uh, the son of Jehoiada, was over the army. Remember, he, he took the place of Joab once he killed Joab. Remember, uh, Solomon, as soon as he was, came into his reign, he had uh, Benaiah uh, um, um, kill Joab because of his crimes. And they were valid crimes. He killed two men in cold blood, and he was a very bloodthirsty man and not a very uh, obedient man to David. There were times when it, he, you know, he was loyal to David, but only when it suited his own purpose. That was kind of the character of Joab. So now Benaiah, he's the one who Solomon told to go and to kill uh, Joab for his crimes. And now he is the head over the army. And so, and it also says that, and then Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, and we know those two individuals, they were the high priests, but we also learned that Abiathar had, and we learned about this in chapter 2, and he's listed here because he was a high priest. It doesn't mean that he continued in that office because, again, we look back at 1 Kings chapter 2, specifically in verse 26 and 27, where Solomon, um, upon understanding that Abiathar sided and was, was in conspiracy with Adonijah to come against David, once Solomon heard about that, he banished Abiathar from being priest. He didn't have him killed, but he told him to basically to go home and keep his mouth shut. And that's exactly what he did. But he still had the office of the high priest, but he was no longer operating in that office. And you know, I think it's interesting that Zadok, Jehoshaphat, Benaiah, who were really from the old guard, 
from David's reign. That here they are now in Solomon, his son, his young son's administration. And they're there because they're faithful. They're there because they've been faithful. These men have been with David all his life, and their devotion, their loyalty had been tested. It had been tried, and it had been put on display for everyone to see. And and I think that's something interesting about us as individuals, as people. We have this propensity to, as time goes on in our life, situations that change, people change, your own heart changes, and you really find out really what you're made of when certain circumstances come into your life. And are you the type of person to cave in to popular opinion or, uh, or whatever it is of the day and, 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 and kind of go in a different direction? Or are you one of those people that's like a steady eddy? And these guys were like the steady eddies. They were the guys who dug their heels in and they stayed in the, in the fight and they never took their eyes off of what God had told them to do. And they never betrayed their king. Because even though David had his faults, again, he was an honorable man. When he made his mistakes, he repented, he changed. Very different from Saul. Saul died in unbelief, but David died in faith, even with his mistakes. But these men, they stuck by him, and they're like... It's almost like a hurricane going through a room, you know? You got these, you got the king in the center and you got really men who are really loyal to him. They're hanging close to the king and they're holding tight to him. And the hurricane is blowing everybody here and there. And all that's left is David and these group of guys. And these are the guys that came into Solomon's reign, into his administration. And they were tried and true. They had the wisdom. They had the experience. And that's exactly what Solomon needed. Because again, he's a young man. He's probably in his very early 20s. And he needs these men. And there's some cohesion there because these men knew David very well. They, they, they spent 40 years with him. Or more. And now they're serving his son, and they are blessed. And they're happy to do so. So back in our text, verse 5. So Azariah, the son of Nathan. Again, he's listing this administration now. Azariah, the son of Nathan, over the officers. Zabud, the son of Nathan, a priest and the king's friend. Now this Azariah here in chapter 5 is not the same as the Azariah in verse 2. Remember in the Bible, a lot, there's a lot of similar names. And even, um, you know, it, it just happens. There's a lot of Marys. As we've been going through the Gospel of John, the women who were at the crucifixion, there were three or four Marys there. I mean, think of how crazy that would be. You try to call their name and they all say, what? <laughs> so there's four Marys. There's even one here tonight, right? Yeah. She's the fifth Mary. So, yeah. And so... Names in the Bible, you really have to look at some other sources and look into these things. Otherwise, you might misconstrue who this person is. Just like Shimei. Shimei's name is mentioned uh, 18 times in the Bible. But yet we know there was one Shimei who was in David's, one of his mighty men. And there was another Shimei who was the one who cursed David and threw rocks at him as he was going through Baharim on his way down to, out of exile into Mahanaim over on the east side of the Jordan River. So a different Shimei. 
Different Azariah here. So Azariah, the son of Nathan, over the officers. So this man is a really important individual. He's over the officers that we're about to read in the next uh, group of verses from uh, verses 7 through 19. 7 through 19, he is going to be over all of these men. And notice Zabah, the son of Nathan. So who is this Nathan? Uh, We believe that it's very probable Nathan, the seer that David had loved and had been in his administration as well. It's, it's hard to know for sure, 100%, but we believe that it's very possible that this was Nathan, the seer, the prophet, the one who told David, David, you're the man, and confronted David about his sin with Bathsheba. And, um, and so we believe that these are his sons now, Zeba, the son of Nathan, Azariah, the son of Nathan. And what a great... Uh, uh, opportunity for these two young men, if it is indeed that Nathan, to have such a wonderful dad, to have such a wonderful father. You know, fathers are so important in the lives of people, and uh, especially in our culture today. So many young men without dads, whether it's through death or whether it's because of divorce or whatever it is. And I, I just want to encourage the men here, if you're a dad, to stay true, to stay faithful be that role model for your boys, for your young girls, for your kids and your grandkids, your grandsons and your granddaughters. Be that role model. And fight the good fight. If you call yourself a Christian, be the, most, the best Christian in town. Be the man who takes it. Is it easy? No, it's not. It is never easy to follow the Lord. If anybody tells you it's easy, there's something wrong. Now, there's great times of joy and peace. There's no doubt about that. But it is not easy at times. In fact, sometimes telling the truth is very hard. It's very difficult. It's much easier to tell a lie. It's much easier to cave into the flesh and give in to the natural appetites of the flesh, which is what causes so many divorces, which is what causes so many men to, to be out of the picture of, of the mother and the kids. So guys, stand. Be men. And be the very best men. Because God wants you to be. Your kids and your grandkids want to see that. Be the best role model and fight the good fight. Fight it. And be victorious over your flesh and over the things that are tearing you away from your family and your kids and your imaginations and the lusts of your own heart and all the opportunities. Turn away from all of it and be the role model and God will reward you one day. And believe me, you may not think it's a big deal now, but when you stand before him and you receive rewards for your faithfulness of what you've done since you've been a Christian, it's going to be a big deal then. It's going to be a real big, a big deal. And you know what? It's a really big deal for your kids and your grandkids because they need that more than ever. Their future is so tied up in your faithfulness. You're a part of it. It doesn't mean that your kids aren't still going to go south even though you're a good parent. You could be an exemplary parent, but be an exemplary parent because if you don't, the statistics are huge that those kids are going to go and they're going to do things and maybe even ruin their lives. So... I'll stop there. So, so verse 6 says, Ahisar over the household, and Adoniram, the son of Abda, over the labor force. And we'll look at that labor force here shortly, that 
the, the Bible here is talking about. And so now as we get through verses 7 through 19, it is a whole different section. And basically these, we're going to be listing the 12 governors who supplied food to Solomon and the royal family. And Solomon's family was quite large. I mean, probably before he had the thousand wives. But just thinking about the, um, his family, it was a very large gathering around his table every day. And every lunch and every breakfast. And so on Solomon, so 7 through 19 are one section that we're going to look at. So Solomon had 12 governors. And this is another great thing about Solomon. He organized things. And again, he was a man of order. And God is a God of order. So he had 12 governors over all of Israel, and good for him too, because he was in Jerusalem. You can't be all places at once, but when you've got men who are reporting to you, even before texting and cell phones, they can have couriers sending you every day what's going on in all these different places. And that's all these guys would do, little couriers. We just run from one place to another, all bringing information back to, to Solomon. But he had 12 governors over Israel who provided food for the king and his household. Each one made provision for one month of the year. So that was kind of like a rotating thing. Not everybody, not one group of people had this massive responsibility to feed the king and his household every day. It was moved around to all these different places and made it thus much more manageable and fair. Sort of. We'll get to that in a minute. But these are their names. Ben-Hur. Whenever you see Ben and a hyphen and a name, that literally means son. Son of Hur. So Ben-Hur is son of Hur. And in the mountains of Ephraim. So what you're going to see here is the name is going to be given, and then it's going to be the territory that that person is responsible for. If we were to look at a map, you would see... The, these, these 12 different men and the territories that belong to them, their jurisdictions, if you will. And so these are their names, Ben-Hur in the mountains of Ephraim. And then Ben-Decker, or the son of Decker, in Makaz, that's, a, that's the name of a town, Shealbim, Beth Shemesh, and Elon Beth Hanan. These are all cities in his jurisdiction. And then finally, uh, or going on, or excuse me, Ben Hesed in Aruboth. To him belongs Soko and all the land of Hefer. And then Ben Abinadab in all the regions of Dor. He had Tafath, the daughter of Solomon, his wife. So this man has an extra benefit because he's got a, he's a pretty important guy because, uh, his, his wife is Solomon's daughter. So I'm certain that this man had a very influential uh, place that he was uh, overseeing in this regions of Dor. And we're also going to see that this officer, as well as Ahimaaz, in verse 15, they both married one of Solomon's daughters. So Solomon's, uh, two of his daughters, anyway, were married to uh, two of these different governors, and this was one of them. And so... Verse 12, Baana, the son of Ahilud, in Taanach and Megiddo, and all Bethshan, which is beside Zeratan, below Jezreel, from Bethshan to Abel-Meholah, as far as the other side of Jachniam. And these are places, I, I, just as a, a selfish plug here for Israel, should we go next year, uh, Lord willing, we're going to go with the group out of the Finger Lakes, but Megiddo and many of these places like Beth Shan, these are places that we visit. These are what we call um, Class A sites. 
meaning we know exactly what happened there. It's not like some sites in Israel that tour guides will take you over to some place and they think it's the site, but it's really not. No, these are, these are A sites. These are the, the big ones. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of First Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.